Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Welcome back, mining community. Hope we're all well. Um, so we have another episode today, and we are speaking to um, Rikus Grimbeck, who's the CEO of uh, Trevelli, who are a global zinc producer operating three revenue-generating mines, focusing on delivering sustainable shareholder value for transformative technology and ESG practices. Um, their project portfolio is focused on um, projects located in the mining jurisdictions of Canada, Burkina Faso, and Nibia. Rikus is a mine engineer by background and has over 30 years industry experience in South Africa, Australia, and Canada. Um, and he's here today to tell us um, how he's leading a team that are going to be building the world's most sustainable underground mining companies. So that's what, welcome, Rikus, to the uh, podcast. How you doing, Rikus? Hi, Rob. Thank you very much. And thanks for the introduction. Yeah, I appreciate your time. And hopefully, uh, hopefully that introduction was... Um, um, justified as well. So um, I know obviously you've been in the industry for, for quite a long time and um, obviously we're here to talk about Trevelli. Um, first of all, just wondered if, um, for those that don't know you, and I'm sure most of my audience do know you, I just wondered if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career um, and how you, uh, obviously how your mining career has um, developed to what it is today. Yeah, thanks, Rob. And um, yeah, that's a, you, you, you gave a good introduction there. Um, you know, but I, uh, the, what I can add is that you know, as you said, I was in the industry. I've been in the industry for more than thirty years now. Um, I actually started working underground in a coal mine in South Africa um, and studied mining engineering. Um, and what what I realized um, after a couple of years working underground and working shifts is that you know I. I I needed to study more, so I, I wanted to I wanted to to learn more and I wanted to understand better. Um, so I went back to university and I studied um, uh, did some additional studies in rock engineering and mine ventilation um, and environmental management. Um, uh, so I, I, I've got a and I've always had a passion for sustainability and always had a passion for doing things safer in our industry um, and. And maybe it's because of the things I saw and the things I experienced when I was a younger miner working underground. Um, and I was also fortunate enough to work for some great mentors um, over my career um, that that made me, um, you know, think about life differently. It also made me think about leadership differently, um, but also gave me experiences not just in mining but in smelting and refining as well. And I also at at, at one stage. Um, Ran the health, safety, environment, community, and sustainability function for BHP Bulletin, what was called BHP Bulletin back then, for um, for three and a half years. Um, and uh, some of the experiences there, you know, I, I, you know, was worth gold um, at the time because you know I, I spent time working with governments on things like climate change policy, the Australian government um, on you know, resource rent tax. Um, so. And the South African government on climate change policy, and so it gave me an insight into our government's work, um, and also you know how the the NGO um, um, community work as well, uh, and 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 that that gave me some some new 
ideas around how mining companies can can engage um, communities and NGOs and governments um, in creating a sustainable business. Um, I, I, I've always firmly believed that we can we can create a business where we can guarantee the safety of people. Um, you know that I know is a big statement, but you know I always say to to people that if we can't guarantee people's safety, what are we saying to one another? And so, and I want my kids one day to work in a place where we can guarantee that they're not going to get seriously hurt at work. So, um, and and we can talk about that a bit later. But you know, to me, that's a that's a whole different um, mindset that we need to take on as an industry. So that that's my background. Um, I'm I'm passionate about nature and I'm passionate about cycling um, as well. So. Uh, and I can play a little bit of golf. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned mentoring. Um, how how important is mentoring, and and how did it how did it affect you and the people that obviously mentored you, and what 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 did you get from uh, maybe more experienced people mentoring you? Yeah, I think um, maybe I need to create the distinction between mentoring and coaching. Um, you know, because me coaching is more on the job. It's it, it's more you know direct skills um, coaching, um, and I think that's super important. And you know that uh, yeah, we we need we need that on a day to day basis. And but the distinction for me between that and mentoring, mentoring is more of a longer term vision for where you want to be, um, and finding the right people to help you think through your career, um, think through the next five years, um, the, the the steps that you need to take. Um, Giving someone that's willing to be a mirror for you, um, and also give you some insights into how you show up, because we all think we show up a certain way, and then um, you know, you, if someone is honest with you and gives you a, 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 some some real feedback, and they tell you that this is what what's really showing up, you know, that gives you an opportunity to deal with that um, and to shift that. So, I think it's super important to find the right mentors, um, not just people who who believe and support. Um, and um, you know, parrot what you say. You actually need to find people who are willing to to challenge you in, in your thoughts and your behaviors, um, so that you know you, you you can you can think about the what it is you really want to become in life, not just in your work, but in life as well. So yeah, I think it's very important. I think it's something of a uh, an art more than a science. Um, so that there's no specific textbook to do that. Um, and I also think it might be something that's fallen away a little bit over the last, um, you know, five to ten years in our industry. Um, is the firstly the willingness for people to mentor, um, and then also you know people willing to take on the coaching um, and the mentoring that is needed um, to to grow their careers. Yeah, um, with mentoring and your mentoring, how did you how did you find these mentors? Were they people that? you knew in the industry were they immediate managers or did you then reach out to certain people that you probably respected in the industry approach them and ask ask them to maybe become a mentor or it got to that stage was it yeah was it someone that you knew or did you reach out to someone and and ask a question yeah and that, that's why i said i was fortunate to have good mentors because um i i i, I didn't know that i needed to find one um, and I didn't uh, also had no idea how to and when and who to talk to. Um, but I was lucky enough at that stage to to work for people that were great mentors as well, and also to be um, surrounded by people 
that I didn't directly report to, but that that took an interest in my career and took an interest in me as a person um, to help me grow. Um, so I, I, it's more of a luck thing, I would say, um, and and maybe it's it's something to to think back and um, you, know, you know that that is something that we we don't really teach at a at a the university or you know, somewhere in in some leadership development um, course, uh, how to do and uh, how to pick the right mentors and where to get them. And yeah, yeah that, that, that's a good question. And I I I, um, I was just really lucky. I worked for some amazing people um, over my career. Um, just want to one give us an overview of uh, obviously Trevelli Mining um, and obviously your operations. Yeah, it's a uh, you know this has been um, I've been with Trevali now for three years. It's been a labor of love for three years. Um, I don't think I could have picked three more interesting years to be the CEO of, of Trevali with what's happened in the world. Um, yeah, I, I took I took the role um, with a very specific goal in mind, and that is to create uh, the the most sustainable mining company. And I know that is bold and it's you know a little bit over the top, but if you don't aim for the, the stars, you know you, you you're never gonna never gonna reach them. So we, I wanted to pick something where we had the ability to create what I think mining should look like in the future. And and um, so we, I, we started off with four operations, um, um, with you know one in Peru, one in Burkina Faso, um, Canada, and Namibia. They were all high on the cost curve when it comes to zinc and equivalents. Um, so they were all over the, the dollar per pound level. Um, and the plan was always to find ways to um, get the cost down, get the operations down a cost curve. Um, and and we, we had a great start to that. Um, ended up then being hit by COVID. Um, so you can imagine if your average cost is um, about a dollar per pound and the zinc price is down at 82 cents um, and you're paying a $300 and treatment charge um, for your concentrates. Um, you know, 2020 ended up being a very, very tough year. And um, so, the, but the company were we were able to get through that. Um, we were able to refinance ourselves um, at the end of 2020, so that we could um, get back on track um, to to execute on that vision that that I still have 100% um, in my sights. So we ended up um, selling our operation at the end of last year, and. Um, we we coined a new strategy called uh, "Sharing to Grow." I know it's not very um, creative, but you know it is exactly what we're doing. Um, we, we're creating a business that is going to be, uh, you know, around the seventy cents audience sustaining um, um, per pound um, cost per pound. We want to be so we want to be in the, the the top end of the first quartile um, of the the zinc um, cost curve, um, and we've 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 been able to in the last three years um, create a an amazingly strong team um, of you know of experts that that are based all over the world. Um, you know, with COVID, we've we've been able to move to more of a hybrid um, um, working in arrangement, and we've got people from Saskatoon to Stellenbosch that work for us, um, and then and then amazing teams at the operations that um, that execute the day to day um, drilling and blasting safely. So um, we you know we. We created this platform, and we are we are using technology um, to um, to allow us to visualize our operations, um, to allow us to get to um, you know planning and scheduling to the level that you do not see in mining. You know, so we we plan and schedule our work, for example, at Raspina to the hour. Um, we design our work for that um, hour um, with, with precision. So 
Um, that that's uh, the platform we've created there with um, you know amazing digital tools. You know, we fly drone, drones. We we flew the first drones in Namibia underground. Um, we we've got a Spot. I don't know if you've seen our, our LinkedIn post on Spot, but we we're the first mining company in Africa to use Spot. Um, and we, we we've got some some interesting programs to to help show how that would look like in future and how supervision um, of certain more high risk tasks would look like in future. We completed a a feasibility study. Um, so when I started uh, three years ago, we realized that you know Raspina is a tier one asset, a tier one ore body. Um, and we needed to build a tier one um, company on top of that and a tier one um, operation on top of it. Um, so we did a feasibility study and came up um, with a plan to expand the volume by 86% um, and take the audience standing costs from, you know, a dollar down to um, six, 67 cents. Um, so, uh, and, uh, you know, we've, we've been able to take the mine life, um, you know, to 2032, so you know, up 12 years at the ex- ex- expanded um, um, volume, um, and we are currently studying a, a project that we are joint venture partners in that's very close to us, being our called Gagrup, um, That we want to find a way of getting that um, linked to our current expansion project so that we can extend the mind up, you know, up to 20 years. So that is really creating a world-class tier one asset um, in in the zinc space. Um, in a very, very uh, stable, great country. So that really is the so part of the strength to grow is that we're shrinking down to that um, asset um, and then growing our business with quality assets, um, similar quality assets. Then if I look at um, Caribou, um, you know, I think Caribou is one of those operations that that, um, and that I think is one of the tougher underground mines in the world to operate. Um, it's it's a It's a... Um, in a smaller stopes, uh, geologically uh, or, or geotechnically quite challenging. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've, you've got cold cold weather um, issues as well. Um, but the team of, of, were able to, we were able to restart Caribou um, just after COVID hit um, and in the worst time. Um, we, we've got a two-year plan to um, to run the operation um, and we, we put that in place with the hedge so that we didn't we were not going to be hit by some weird um, price drop again so we've, we've got that plan fully in place at the moment and and um, the current plan is to finish the end of this year but um, we're also studying ways of expanding and extending that um, to the full life of mine that's currently um, until 2026. Um, but the, the really exciting piece about caribou is that we, we're studying what we, what is called rapid oxidative leach technology. So that is a way of, um, you know, treating ore and tailings. Um, and you, you go from ore to metal. Um, it's, a, it's, FL Schmidt, um, patented this five years ago. Um, and we are working with them to, um, to, to, to see if we can make a co- commercial project of, of this. We, we've done some bench, um, bench tests and we've also recently um, had a pilot plant on site where we tested um, the ore, uh, we tested the tailings um, and the recoveries have been amazing. So I, I'm very excited by that because if that's true, then Caribou will also be a, a, a sub-70 cents or in sustaining um, operation. So... Um, it, I, I suppose the, the, the we, we we also have to work out whether caribou in that um, you know with the technology risk that you take on when you're building a new plant like that is something that providers shareholders want to be exposed to 100. percent So we'll we'll think about and at the time when 
our technical study is complete and that should be the middle of this year, um, make a choice on, on how to um, and how to take that technology forward. So that that that's Caribou, and then we've got um, uh, our Pacoa operation in, in Burkina Faso that um, that's got about a year's reserve left, um, but there's still the resource that that we are studying and, and trying to find ways to um, to extend that um, because it's a very very high grade operation, um, but also very high cost because you know you're in the middle of Burkina Faso, we've got a thousand kilometers to the nearest port, um, and we also burn diesel to to generate electricity. And um, you know we don't have enough mine life to do what we did in at Traspina because Traspina we were able to build a solar plant um, to supply up to thirty percent of our power and we can actually do more now. Um, um, but we we couldn't do the same at at um, Bacoa because of the the short mine life and you know, it, it, it's really difficult to pay back the capital investment um, to do that. So we've got these three operations. I think you know over in the next uh, twelve to eighteen months we'll shrink it down to two. Um, and depending on whether we want to take on the um, technology risk at, at Caribou, um, you know, we we might be down to um, Raspina, um, and then we want to grow. You know, we want to grow in forward-facing metals, and we want to use our platform of technology and um, and the, the amazing team that we've got um, to uh, to then grow after we've expanded Raspina. Um, obviously, you mentioned there uh, Burkina Faso. Um, how is the operation going there with obviously ongoing political unrest? Um, wonder if you can just give us a, a quick snapshot of um, obviously yeah. what's happening. I, I think um, it's interesting because people in Burkina Faso are quite used to um, coup d'etat. So, you know, I think they, they're quite fit when it comes to that. Um, so, in, in, in reality, our operations hasn't been impacted at all. We, we, we're also quite lucky because we are on the western side of, of Waga, um, the, the capital city. It's it's in a, it one of the it's the less um, impacted zone um, when it comes to you know all the incursions and, and um, terrorist activity and and attacks. So um, no, it's, it's been good. it was fine. We had a, a bit of a, an impact right in the beginning. Um, with curfews and you know making sure that we could get our shift changes done at the right time, um, get get some of our um, expatriates into the into the uh, country, but um, no, it, it's it's working fine. And um, uh, you know I've, I've I've been there a couple of times now, and you know, the people of Burkina are just amazing. And they're so friendly um, around our minor communities. Um, you know we've I went to the, the, the clinics and schools and just amazing, warm people um, and. Uh, yeah, but it, I, I would love to see how we can extend the, the operation so that we, we can keep on supporting those communities. Yeah, well, that's good that things are obviously um, going well there. Um, you, man, you mentioned a few times the shrink to grow. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about the shrink to grow strategy um, and why you decided to sort of implement this? Yeah, you know, we, um, as I said, we started with, with four, um, four mines and they were quite high in the cost curve, you know, ranging from, in the ninety-two cents to you know dollar dollar twenty-four when we closed um, Caribou um, during COVID. So you know those are, are higher end cost curve um, mines, and it, it's you know the the zinc market is interesting. You know, so if you look at the last fifteen years, the zinc price um, have, have gone up and down um, in 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 a, in a in a very spiky way. You know, so we we've seen every single time that there's a disruption to the supply side on on zinc that there's a disproportionate reaction to the price so the price goes up you know it's unbelievable how quickly it flies up 
but it exactly the same happens. So it's like a zinc balloon, you know. So once that thing is up there, it comes down like a zinc balloon. Um, so it falls hard as well. So you, you, and and that's for the last fifteen years um, been been true in the industry. Um, and then you look across the industry; they're not really any beer play zinc uh, companies out there anymore. I think we are basically the only one that you can call a beer play um, zinc, where you know more than eighty um, percent of our, our product um, is that we sell is zinc. Um, so I, we we look we we sat back and said, well, you know, there there is definitely a, a niche play play for us, and that is to be the a peer play zinc. Um, but what we needed was to be quality assets. You know, we need we need to be able to survive through those um, those times when the zinc price come off, because it's just a matter of time before it comes off again. So you need to find a way to create an, a company that is not just about volume. Um, it's not just about zinc, but it's about quality. Um, and and if you then look at the the, the fifteen year um, the price cycle for for zinc, um, you know if, if you can operate around the seventy cent mark, you will survive any one of those downturns, and uh, you'll have still have margin to to pay shareholders a bit of a return. Um, so that that's where the thinking started. Um, so we started with the four operations. We looked at the four and said, what can we do? Um, in terms of getting these down the cost curve, and the two that we've identified that we can get below seventy cents at, at, um, is um, Caribou and um, and, and Raspina. So, two different things that we had to do with them. You know, so Raspina is about an expansion um, because the ore body is there. There's there's life, um, there's space, um, there's water, there's electricity, um, and then overlay the fact that we want to build a green company. We we saw the ability to. Um, you know, put a pastel plant up that that will allow us to use less um, uh, or to put to put the tailings back underground, so a smaller footprint, and also um, our water intensity goes down um, to a third of what it was in the past. We we can get electricity because of the you know basically Raspina is in a desert um, right next to the river, so you you've got the water, but you've also got lots of sunlight, and and we can we can over time, I believe, we can get to 100 um, uh, percent. Renewable energy at, at Rospin, so that that that's definitely part of a portfolio that that you want to build a, a future company around. Uh, and uh, similarly at um, at Caribou with um, the, the new technology, because in, at Caribou, in the best at the moment with normal flotation, the best we can get is about eighty percent recovery on zinc. We don't get paid for the gold um, because that goes straight through the tailings, and we don't get paid for the the copper that we have in the in the ore because we we can't float it. But with new the, the new rapid oxidative leach technology, we can actually get paid for gold. It it changes caribou to a gold mine. To, to, to uh, it's quite strange, but you know suddenly um, caribou becomes a gold mine. Um, but so we that that's what we looked at the the two the two operations that we can then be left behind because the shrink to grow is is about staying a a zinc focused business. Um, I think we'll we we definitely want to grow in in in, in more of the forward phasing metals. We'd love to get some copper in there, um, you know, more more silver. Um, but th- we want to be focused on on zinc um, and and give give investors an opportunity to if if you think zinc's going to go up, you 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 jump in us. But then you don't have to sell us when the zinc price comes down because we're still going to be paying you a, di- a dividend over time. So um, and and that's. Um, and that's where we are at the moment. You know, it's 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 getting ourselves smaller, but but stronger and more sustainable. Um, the company invested heavily, obviously, in digital technology. Um, what have you implemented that has improved the business? 
Yeah, it's it's a um, so when pe- when people talk about technology and they talk about digital technology, I think a lot of times we think of the shiny um, uh, things that we buy, um, you know, the battery vehicles and the sensors and the um, robots and you know all those type of things. Um, but but it's the the less uh, less interesting part is the most important when it comes to digital tools, and that is the mindset that you have to shift. Um, you know, so if you if you want to get the most out of digital um, tools, um, you've actually got to become absolutely precise in planning and scheduling your work. So planning and scheduling and executing work with precision. So that sounds super boring, and I can tell you is the most important thing if you want to be successful in using digital tools. So that's what we've been focused on for the last um, two and a half years. Um, a place like Raspina, if you go there and go on a visit, so we've had many visits um, recently because we're doing currently doing the financing for for the mine, um, and people are blown away by the the shift in culture around planning and scheduling, where people actually operators, supervisors, um, superintendents, managers, they they look at planning as more of a sacred thing rather than rough guidance. So it's uh, and that that's the only way that that you can really then start using the tools like your sensors and your um, the real time um, monitoring of equipment, um, the the real time data that you get from what you're drilling, where you're drilling, what comes into the plant. Um, that's the only way you can really get the most out of all the new data um, is if you if you can actually adjust work in real time or near real time to get the most out of the data that you're getting. So, um, and I know that sounds lopsided and maybe a long explanation, but you know that, that's what we've seen is the benefit of knowing what people are doing right now um, and knowing that what they are doing has been planned and scheduled and it is the best work to be done right now. And then the key thing is having an ability to adjust the plan because in our industry, things do change. You know, you, you can't, you know, know exactly what's going to happen this today because you know you, you mine into things and you know things break and and the key is understanding what the next best plan is and not doing that based on a supervisor or superintendent's um, judgment call underground or in the fa- at the face but based that on data and that's why we have digital twins of all our operations and we can run rapid um, planning and rescheduling um, processes to come up with the next best work to do. And an example would be a cruise underground um, and suddenly we, we lose the, um, the ventilation to that area. The, what, what's the next best thing for them to do? And it could be that they have to come to surface and go to training that they were supposed to do you know, next week um, rather than send them to a different area and start loading um, or, or drilling and blasting a new area that that then puts everything out of sequence and puts the wrong grade into the plant. So, um, but with those type of calls, you you, you cannot really make um, if if you don't have visibility of all the data, and and so you you need you need that to go back to a centralized point where people that have got all the data can make calls on that. And and lastly, I think what what we've seen with digital is it's also the access to allow us to to guarantee the safety of our people because you now in a world where you can monitor um, remote work um, 24-7 you can use AI to to help monitor high-risk areas um, you, you 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 can understand the, the key metrics and the key um, controls and the key 
um, fatal risk um, controls you've got in place and the efficiency of those real time um, so that you can adjust and pull out and, and warn when things are going to go off track. So, yeah, long-winded answer, but you know, it is, it's, it's more about, um, it's more about the mindset and, and getting, getting a whole company to start believing that planning and scheduling is important. Um, again, sustainability is important to, to uh, Trevelli. Um, what actions have you taken uh, around sustainability to, again, improve the business? Yeah, you know, it, we, I think we use the, the term we want to be the most sustainable company. And, you know, to me, that it's got so many, so many facets to it. Um, you know, it starts with um, our license to operate. Um, to, so I, I look at our license to operate um, in certain communities more as a privilege to operate um, because, you know, sometimes you have a mindset when you have a license as well. I have the right now to do certain things. Um, and then people become a little bit, um, Less sensitive um, and less engaging um, with the, the stakeholders in, in their community. So, but if you think of it as a privilege, it, it really um, you know you, you know that you, you need you need to engage and, and keep on engaging, even if you think you have the right. Um, so that that's also uh, you know, we, in the areas where we work, we work in sensitive environments, um, and we. We've we've got so we started all of what you know most mining companies do and, and everyone should be doing you know waste management plants and you know water treatment and you know water conservation and you know land um, um, treatment and you know land preservation plans and solar energy and you know green energy and um, we do a ton of stuff on on you know local community development we buy locally um, we 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 support. Um, local leaders um we we support um kids in in local communities uh, so that that's all part of it and i think all long dated um capital intensive industries um should be doing uh, around the world um and i think a lot of them are uh, and and i think it's also for me sustainability plays into the world of um creating diverse workforces um and and when i look at diversity and inclusion they, again, two very distinct things in my in my mind. And, you know, I, I have to make things simple for myself, otherwise I get confused. So, I, I look at uh, for me, in- inclusion is is a verb. You know, it's an action. You know, you you we create inclusive um, workplaces, and that's for inside the workplace, but also inclusive with our communities and our governments and where we operate. So we we share our data. We it's open. You know, we make sure that everyone can see it can see everything and in terms of a workplace you know we create a, a safe space for people to be who they are um you know that they're not afraid to to speak up and to say things the way they see it um, they're also not afraid to be um the person that they want to be um and you know what what we find is is you know diversity is then more of an outcome you know so it's the the output from an inclusive environment that we've created um, allows and people to be who they are and you see totally diverse people show up sometimes you know when you allow them to just uh, speak up and and give them the, the space to be um to be who they are and and then it also attracts people that are different to come and work for us because there is this this inclusive um, workplace where they can can be part of that so um i i don't think mining companies will be able to operate unless you are Super focused on sustainability in future. You know, I, I can see. I, I speak to many analysts and investors, and and the 
It's shifting. It's absolutely shifting. You know, I, I can remember when I was head of HHEC and sustainability from BH Bulletin, in, that was in 2009. Um, I, 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 I said to the then CEO, Marius Lopez, this is going to become a big thing. You know, we really have to think about how we set ourselves up. And I can remember you, you said you can see it as well. But it's it's a it was a back then a quite a hard conversation to have because you know it's such an integrated thing you, you you can't bolt sustainability onto your business you know it really is the core of how you design everything and how you think about your business is sustainability and but uh, and and back then I can remember sitting in in um, investor meetings there were no questions about sustainability nothing zero. Um, today, most meetings I have with investors start with sustainability. They want to know what are you doing, and they call it ESG. Um, you know, so it, it's it's still there. the questioning is still very um, high level in some instances. One or two people are actually quite um, deep into it and start understanding the fundamentals of it. Um, but but at least it's, it's there. Every conversation with investors, they do ask the question, um, and they they want to see that you. That you have a, a good handle on it, and and some some funds cannot invest in companies that don't do certain things. You know, so um, that's why I think it's it's going to become a um, competitive edge if you can do this um, really well. Um, as a conclusion, um, what's the outlook for Trevelli over the next sort of twelve to eighteen months? Yeah, it's, it's super exciting. You know, I I can't wait to to get this financing for Aspina. Um, um, sorted out. I think we're getting close to to getting that done. We're looking for two hundred million dollars. Um, I think we're going to do that without doing an equity raise. And so then, once once that is once that's in place, um, you know, we we are off to the races because we are on on track to to create that um, future um, looking um, company where you know, we we down the cost curve. Um, we're running a very sustainable, safe um, uh, work. Um, workplace um, where we can guarantee the safety of our people. So to me, um, we are ready to grow. Uh, we, we've got our eye on a couple of um, targets once we've got the uh, Raspina financed um, to to take us to to the next stage where you know, we'll be the, the premier zinc investment vehicle um, that, that will even in tough times um, um, give, give uh, investors some money back. Rikus, really appreciate your time. Interesting to hear, obviously, your vision for the company and looking and and obviously understanding what you're looking to do with the company in terms of obviously sustainability and digital digital uh, technology. Um, it's really good to hear and um, and um, wish you well um, in the future. If our audience wants to reach out to you, if they have any questions or want to know more about um, what you have been doing and what your, the future of Trevelli is. How can they go about doing that? And are you across any social media platforms? Oh, yeah, the best would be just uh, to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm there. I, I, um, I, I, I post regularly um, and talk about the things we talked about today. Um, so, yeah, no, please reach out. No, no problem at all. Yeah, no, that's great. We can include that in the show notes accompanying this as well. So, um, Marcus, really appreciate your time. Maybe um, you can come on later this year or next year to give us an update on how things are going with um, with your operations. And um, for the audience, um, appreciate you uh, listening to this. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, appreciate your continued support. And if you can obviously share this episode uh, amongst others in the industry, um, obviously zinc there isn't too many obviously zinc mines out there and uh, obviously Trevelli is a leader in 
in the zinc space. So um, appreciate if you can share this information amongst others in the industry. So again, appreciate your time, Marcus. Wish you well in the future. Um, and for those listening, until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.